Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I sit down and discuss the um, Divine Feminine from the uh, look or the lens of Mary, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, and um, St. Bridget. So this will be coming out a few days after the feast day for Our Lady of Guadalupe, and that's what made us think of uh, doing this episode at this time. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West, who does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums, that's what you hear in the background. Uh, If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is the place to go. Uh, drcrpod.com is the place to go for other episodes of not only this podcast, but also uh, Road to Desert Rain. And lastly, if you want to purchase a book, this will be the last week if you want to get it prior to Christmas. If you order it today at dreamwalkaway.com, we can mail it out tomorrow and you should be able to get it before Christmas. And if you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Uh, Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. Dispatches from the Verge. David Morrison. Good morning, sir. Or afternoon, rather. The greatest poet of our of our generation. If if that's true, these are sad times. Am I right? They're they're perfect times. Um, Today we are going to. So this this episode will post. I meant to look it up. It's either the day of or the day after. It's the day after the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, and so we thought... We're not even good Catholics. So we... Well, yeah, that, I mean... We're terrible Catholics. <laughs> Heretics. I was going to make an imp- inappropriate joke <laughs> to prove that we're not good Catholics. But um, So it's Advent. It's Advent time. And basically a year ago today, as far as posting wise, we posted an episode about um, Mary and Elizabeth. And the what's it called? The man, Magnificant? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, so sort of building off of that, not not in a direct way, but in a... Uh, I guess probably coming alongside. We're we're gonna look at Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, the significance of that spiritually and and um, culturally here in the Southwest, um, the connection with Mary, um, and and obviously this important time of year for Mary because it's Advent, leading up to the the birth of Jesus Cristo, and um, maybe spend some time towards the end on. Uh, St. Bridget um, and sort of pull, pull, you know, pull, pull the significance of all three of those women spiritually, um, culturally, um, and just their impact on the, the greater church, if you will, church being the, not the building of church, but the, the people of church. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I thought I would lead off with, um, 
the actual story of uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. So it'll be the the Cliff Notes version. But basically, um, in modern day, as the story goes, the legend <laughs> might be the, the right mythology way, of it. might be the right way to say it. But in in modern day. Uh, Mexico City, what would what we acknowledge today is modern day Mexico City. Um, the Virgin Mary appeared to Saint Juan uh, Diego, obviously not a saint at the time. Uh, he went to the bishop and said, "Hey, me, me, and the Virgin Mary were hanging out on the hillside, and we need to build a church for her there." And of course, the establishment didn't believe. <laughs> he said, Pro- "Prove yourself, Juan Diego." Um, he went back and there were roses there, not in season and not, uh, what would it be? Natural, not indigenous, indigenous to this. So he he collects them up, puts them in his, in his robe, uh, takes them back to the Bishop. And when he, when he opens it up and drops it down, there's a, uh, uh, it wouldn't be a painting, but, uh, icon. Yeah. A vision. Within the cloth of yeah, there's a name for it. I forget. Or, yeah, An icon not made by human hands, kind of thing. And um, and it's our Our Lady of Guadalupe, you yeah. know. And, and um, within the image, there's some uh, indigenous um, representation as far as um, the native the the clothing worn by Aztec um, either princesses or goddesses at the time and and um and so ever since then our you know our lady of guadalupe for i I don't know how far south her representation goes but i know north you know north of mexico city up through new mexico and arizona and and texas um it's she's a huge probably spain too i would guess no 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 yeah she's actually looked down upon in spain well how dare they yeah that's that was and i know i've shared this on the podcast i'll i'll do the quick version but in one of the chapels on the camino they have a painting of her Hmm. and the story goes that one of the bishops of that area was born in spain had moved to Mexico with his family, became, just fell in love with the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, had a very um, deep connection with it. And when, when he became, and ended up moving back to Spain at some point. And, and when he became bishop, had this, this painting commissioned. And it was very, I don't think scandalous would be the right word, but it was, it was sort of like, why are you bringing, <laughs> why are you bringing that Mexico stuff over mm. here, buddy? That and, new, that's um, new world. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so yeah, so it's actually, I, I would say it's actually, cause they, I mean, they have their own. Yeah. There's a dark Madonna, I guess that's connected yeah. to. And there's, what's the one, uh, there's one within Spain, a healing fountain that where uh, the Virgin, the Verhin was seen anyways, um, competing holy sites. And so another story we've, we've shared on this podcast, but is is extremely important. I think with this. The setup is um, when you were in the hospital and and a deep connection, uh, an Anamkara really, with that yeah. with that you know, in in that time and space. Um, so maybe if you could you could share that story before we 
dive into the bigger, the bigger conversation. Yeah. So it was, uh, 2020, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I was spent two weeks in the hospital, not with COVID, but with, uh, Something much worse. Yeah, <laughs> I think we explored it, didn't we? I went in with sciat- extreme sciatic pain. Turned out it was kidney failure. A couple of days later, I'm going septic. And then a couple of days later, I had a heart attack from uh, the stress of it all and uh, the wrong medication. I was going to say, and, and there, yeah, was, they, there was another part of that. So their wrong <laughs> medication for uh, caused a thyroid storm as well, which probably induced a heart attack. Which was and, imminent and, anyway. Right, 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 right. The blessing was that it happened yeah, in the hospital yeah, they just, and not fucking out here in the middle of nowhere. Right, yeah, my plan. The uh, And just for people that are listening, that if they're interested in hearing that bigger story, uh, episode number five is called The Heart of the Matter. Yeah. We thought we were real clever with that <laughs> name. <laughs> uh, explores that whole, basically the, the whole darkness you walk through yeah. with that. Yeah, so then they, you know, so then they did a deeper heart catheter test and found that my arteries were completely blocked, 100% blocked. One had disintegrated. So they, you know, at the risk of recovering from sepsis, they they thought the greater risk was an imminent, the big one, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Elizabeth, the big <laughs> one. That's that's for you Generation Xers out there who would get that reference. Um and so, uh, yeah, it was, and it was, you know, it was during COVID. So you got to understand the context. No one could visit me in the hospital. Marsha couldn't be with me. No, no friends, no family. Uh, so it was, it was, you know, it was pretty tough yeah. being there two weeks, hanging in the balance, feeling horrible, uh, with, with no, not being surrounded by anybody that I knew, you mm-hmm. know? And so then, so they had transferred me to another hospital for the heart surgery the night before. So I was pretty wired and anxious mm. and uh, mostly terrified of, uh, well, it's a major eight hour, 12 hour mm-hmm. surgery or whatever it is. Right. With your, with your guts, you know, with, with your, <laughs> your rib torso. cage, your rib cage <laughs> yeah, sawed open, rib cage sawed open and splayed open like the alien autopsy. <laughs> For like, yeah, multiple hours with my heart stopped. Well, and and you would much rather have an actual alien autopsy, yeah, because of your connection to <laughs> UFOs. Well, yeah, that video was fake, so <laughs> couldn't fool me then, though. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I was, yeah. So my biggest fear was uh, waking up from it from a failed surgery and being. Uh, Unable to speak, uh, move, but being aware of it, and so that was that was my biggest yeah. fear that something would go wrong and of course. keep me on a machine, and I'd be aware that I was on a machine, and so I was pretty scared of that, um, and just yeah, what was going to happen? You know, what was the rest of my life mm-hmm. going to be if I survived this? Death was more simple for me because it was you know. It's, it's over. Yeah. But survival, what do, what do I do with that? That's harder, yeah. more complicated. So I was in the room and uh, it's kind of late at night, probably nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. And yeah, so I was, I was feeling very, and, and my hip was in extreme pain still. Mm. And um, 
And so there's always people coming and going. And uh, so this one woman came in to take my blood uh, mm -hmm. samples, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, which is a regular thing if you, when you're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And and she didn't, I, it was obvious she didn't speak uh, hardly any English. I speak very little Spanish, no, um, no conversational Spanish. I could read mm -hmm. some, but not speaking is too fast for right. me, you know. And um, and I, I guess I forgot to, so I did have a, my phone. I'm, I'm getting off track here, huh? Uh, so my, my beloved aunt Betty had passed away in 2019 and I was in the habit of carrying her funeral card in the back case of my phone, which happens to be an image of the lady of Guadalupe right. uh, for her funeral. Uh, she was a devout liberal Catholic and, um, and, and a very liberated woman for her times. And mm. she was just very, had a huge influence on me. Mm -hmm. Um, She's my mom's oldest. Was she the one with the Volkswagen? No, I was her daughter. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Becky Reyes. We talked, and we yeah. just talked about her in a recent episode. <laughs> yeah, and then her son, uh, Johnny. Yeah, I remember being five years old, and we were listening to cassette tapes of Cheech and Chong. Nice. <laughs> and I'm five nice. years old. I'm like, I don't understand this, but it's yeah, funny as on. hell. And so, that, so you can see how warped I am, right? Like a twisted mind. Um, so I had that, and it, and I felt it was kind of a connection to her presence with me, and uh, and so so again, this, so this woman, as she was taking my blood, and um, and it's always a very difficult thing when I have to give blood because my veins, I have something wrong, you know, they're called rubbery veins or right. bouncy veins. So she's having, you know, so they have to poke me several times and dig in with the needle. And it's <laughs> get always it, get it just, just right. a horrible thing, especially at four in the morning. And uh, so anyway, so she was taking my blood and uh, and I noticed she had a, an emblem on her, around her neck. She's an older woman, uh, very shy. Uh, and, and it was an emblem of the same thing, the mm -hmm. Lady of Guadalupe. So I asked her in the best Spanish and she answered me in the best English. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if she, I asked her basically if she prayed to the Lady of Guadalupe mm -hmm. and she said yes. And so I said, can you pray for me tonight? I need my mother. And, uh, and it was a very touching moment. Mm -hmm. She said yes. And, and then hours later, I'm still wired and awake. I don't think I fell asleep until three in the morning. And I had to get up at five to shave my body right. anyway. So it was a crazy crazy night uh well, it was a crazy week leading <laughs> up to it even yeah like yeah, the night was the crazy thing. but that, yeah. whole, that, that whole whatever it was 10 days leading up to it or whatever was but she came back in to check on me which you know the the, the blood people are not right, they don't do yeah, that yeah, yeah right and they're very they have a very they, tight on, schedule to keep and on to the next one because they're they yeah have, they, they have gotta, 20 or more people they got to exactly go. so she i could tell she had and she didn't there were other people in the room with me doing you know the preparation mm -hmm. stuff but she made eye contact with me across the room and i understood that she had just prayed for me and mm -hmm. there was that connection and i could feel the sense of uh, god is my mother Mm. watching over me in there and uh and so yeah that was kind of my personal experience with that and the the image itself is just something you know, we've all grown up with here it's and it means so many you know to an image uh you know 
in my more Protestant days, it was the you have no images, that's idolatry, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. As as they worship Trump and uh, money and power <laughs> right. and capitalism, you know, and and they spurn poor uh, uh, people for, you know, praying in front of a, uh, an image of Mary. You know? So <laughs> anyway, uh, so that, yeah, I forgot where I was heading with that. Yeah, with an image, it can become, it can mean anything mm-hmm. to you. So it's, you know, it's also a, a symbol of, of uh, Mexican identity for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the rest of Central America. If, yeah, I'm, what I'm, their I'm, relationship I'm sure. is to it. But, and I think for me, one of the, with that story specifically is how these, so because we're talking about it, but this image specifically, you really couldn't communicate, right? It was, it was broken Spanish and broken English. It was, it was eye contact. It was a shared image. Right, yeah. Right, the one you had on your yeah, phone. Yeah, because I used the image on my phone mm-hmm. to point to her necklace. Yeah, pointed to her necklace. And within that few minutes, few seconds, whatever it might have been, a deep understanding was created between you two. Yeah. Um, and that's that you know, that's why I used the word Anamkara at the beginning, because it's like right. a deep spiritual friendship was created in that few seconds. And probably you guys will never see each other again. Well, I checked. I asked the hospital administrators later, and no one by that identity works. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and we have fact. We sent our best reporters and yeah. fact checked that you know statement. How myths folks. get born and legends get born. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't matter, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the these things are eternal. Right. The the it. I don't need a sixty important. minutes follow up story. Right. It's not important if you guys yeah. ever connect again yeah. because what was important was you needed that prayer she needed to be present for you for whatever reason yeah. um and you were present to her and in this deep um spiritual friendship and the funny so as preparation for this episode i in so one of my friends father gabriel wrote a book called a staff to the pilgrim hmm. and he takes i don't remember nine uh, saints from uh, Celtic Christianity, nine, yeah. nine Celtic saints, one of them being Bridget, St. Bridget. And he, he assigns a, I guess it would be a, a principle to each one of the saints as part of the chapter. Mm. And the one he happened to put for Bridget was spiritual friendship. Oh, okay, cool. You know, and, and so reading that. Yeah, hospitality was, and welcoming. Yeah. yeah and, and so this whole, you know, it, it, it this whole connection in full circle comes because within, you know, the topic of Our Lady of Guadalupe, that that was your experience yeah. in that moment of need. Because um, it was, you know, it was a, a very lonely time and not just for you, but anyone yeah. being hospitalized at that time. It was a very common occurrence in the fact that no one, no one could go see anyone in a hospital because, you know, because of the COVID concerns and, right. and um, people that are, you know, sick in a hospital would be the most vulnerable at that time. Cause it was, it was at the very beginning. It was, it was I don't even think June we were that year, three or four months in the world closed down in March. In March so yeah, yeah. So, so it was very 
we yeah, still still early in yeah, it. Yeah, we didn't know a lot about about what was going on. Um. So anyway, so culturally here and like we said is it, it, it's a huge deal um and one of the things uh we're, we wanted to explore was this idea of sort of the divine feminine and i and i actually thought we had talked more about it last year in the um what's the name of the poem i keep oh the magnificat yes in gospel of Luke. Yeah. yeah. I thought we talked about it more in that episode, but I re-listened to it and we, we, oh, okay. we actually didn't, um, I think explore we, yeah, it that I think much. It was more Mary is the voice of justice, right? Yeah. And, and just, so. and just how, um, at the time, how, um, profound that story is because Mary and Elizabeth are just everyday women. They're, you know, they're not, some kind of queen, you know what I mean? Right, they weren't right. exalted in some kind of way, but you know, because they were so low in the so social status, the fact yeah. that God picked them for, you know, for that story was what made it pretty um, significant. And we articulate it much better than we are right this second. But so with that being said, it, uh, I would be interested in, in maybe if you could sort of lay out, why the Virgin Mary is so significant in the fact that she's represented as the childbearer of Christ. Um, if you think of historically in religion and, you know, even pre-Christianity, uh, women aren't necessarily represented well in that, right? It's mostly a, a the stories are dominated around men. Yeah. Right. And so why this, why this not only having Mary in a huge part of the story, but then it carried on through the Catholic church. Why is that so significant and sort of countercultural to what the world was used to 2000 years ago? Yeah. And uh, ironically two men talking about it. So here. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's a big deal in the history of Christianity. Exactly. It's a big deal. Right. Um, you know, in the, in the Greek church, she's called the Theotokos, which is mm -hmm. the mother of God mm -hmm. forever. This is, and they, yeah, they're very, they're vehement about this. I was going to say the, the Orthodox it's church takes it. Deal. Yeah. They take it to a next yeah. level. Yeah. And everything we would, not everything, but most of what we would say here would be heretical to them. Uh, mm. and disrespectful and, you know, and all that. But what can I say? Uh, all I can speak to is my own experience exactly. with it and the way well, I'm trying to process my own troubled faith. You know? Well, and I think that's what we've established that pretty well in, in, for long-time listeners. Like, they know we're just here talking about our experience with these things. Yeah. We're not, we're not setting a theology. We're not no. representing a specific theology. Just trying to live day to day. Yeah. More processing what we've been through in our experience with, yeah. with these things. So as Adam Sandler said, what the hell happened to me? <laughs> so anyway, uh, another generate Gen X <laughs> reference. Um, so yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a big deal in that sense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, especially for the doctrine of the incarnation that the mm -hmm. divine 
would come through the human and uh and be completely integrated right in that sense and there and therefore no separation between the physical world and the spiritual world and i don't think that it created that situation i think it was pointing to that reality mm. and so that's that's kind of the the importance of it to me anyway and uh and then of course yeah the the a peasant girl uh from nowhere uh you know, the, the words that are put into her mouth in the gospel of Luke are profound mm -hmm. and more relevant today. Well, I don't know more relevant, but just, just as relevant, just as relevant yeah. for, sh for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because we still have oppressive empires and exploitive practices on a global scale, mm -hmm. uh, from corporations and governments. And, um, so yeah. And so it's the cry that God would, would bring uh, justice for the poor and the oppressed uh, that kind of thing. So, and, um, and that's the cry of Mary. That's the spirit of Mary. Mm -hmm. Or if, if you just want to integrate it all, the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so why do you think, or, you know, or maybe you haven't thought about this, but, you know, comparing the Greek church to the Catholic church, to the Protestant church, it seems like with each iteration of Christianity, with each, branch or division yeah her importance is minimized in the protestants yeah in, yeah or, for sure or lowered you know what i mean and right. so why do you what what do you suspect that's pointing to or you know have you have you ever put much time or thought oh, yeah, into yeah yeah oh sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead no i've had to wrestle with it myself yeah mm -hmm. becoming a leaving the catholic church so to speak though you never leave <laughs> that shadow of guilt will follow you the rest of your your days into eternity. Uh, but yeah, trying to, to figure that out. And, and, uh, but so, so you've got the, the Greek church and the Roman church, very connected still to the pre-Christian world, mm -hmm. uh, which very much had a, a divine feminine. I'm not, I'm not saying there was a golden age where of course, uh, matriarchal of course. societies, uh, there was no, cause you know, there's evidence that was just, we've always had slavery. We've always had injustice in the human mm. race, whether it was a matriarchal society or patriarchal. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, there was that, no utopian. Yeah. In, in human of any sort in the human race, maybe two people got along <laughs> once, but it was about two, for, for, maybe three for a month or two. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so they're more connected to these kinds of, of uh, of things, you know, the goddess cult, if you will, uh, and I, and I'm not saying it's a, it's a blatant ripoff from it because there's not a lot of evidence. There's some, but not mm. not enough to connect. It'd be very easy. It's, it's very lazy to connect it mm -hmm. to say, well, Artemis just became Mary, uh, the the goddess of Mexico became the Lady of Guadalupe, right? Uh, Bridget became uh, St. Bridget, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that, that was one of the things, well, actually in both of the reading where I got the, in fact, I should probably credit that, which I'll do in just a second. But um, one of the things when they talked about Mary or Our Lady of Guadalupe appearing with some uh, Aztec dressing. Yeah. And they, but they made sure to say it wasn't, it was for sure merit. It wasn't a representation. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And the same thing with the staff of the pilgrim. 
it talked about what you're saying is like, you know, Celtic, Celtic goddesses known as Bridget and, and just being crossed over and, but pointing out that whenever someone is sanctified within the, the church, it's an actual living person. Yeah. Yeah. So, or, you know, someone that was alive. So, so yeah. So in the, in the pre Protestant reformation, so we're talking 1500s and before Mm -hmm. you had a, a pre-rational worldview for the most part, which meant uh, religion, and it still is, those traditions are still more focused on the mystery of uh, of the divine. Mm-hmm. So the Protestants came along as, uh, and I think they were a result of, not because of, I mean, a, a because, I think they were a result of, and because of, not the other way around, mm-hmm. of the age of reason, uh, which, which was to demystify the universe, which mm-hmm. needs to have, you know, you have right. to have both. You have to have critical thinking. And uh, you know, I'm grateful for the scientific revolution. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think it replaces mystery, mm-hmm. uh, but mysteries do need to be demystified. And that's, you, you know, there's a difference between, uh, and it's a fine difference of superstition and, and prayer, mm-hmm. but there is a, there is a line, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm not the one to say who it is for you, for anyone. Well, and I was going to say, I don't think anyone can really draw that line for another human no, being. No, I, I don't think you can. When it comes to prayer and superstition. And that's, that's why it's a mystery. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's kind of like just to get off, uh, um, I think it was Louis Gossage Jr. maybe. He did a, a, a mini documentary. Uh, I, I could have the name wrong there. But he was looking at it, the African, uh, the, um, the African American Christian roots mm. in Africa itself, throughout Af- the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. So he went on, you know. So he went to Ethiopia, where they have a temple, where they claim to have the Ark of the Covenant okay. of Jewish renown. And he happened to run into the Archbishop of Canterbury there that day. Oh wow! Who was coming out? Right. And he, I think it was, I forget which one it was. Uh, Rowan, maybe okay. something. I I don't know. I'm not very good at these kinds of things. And he asked him, "What do you What do you, you think? You think the Ark of the Covenant's in there?" And uh, and the guy says, "It doesn't matter whether I uh, think that they th- think that, uh, and that's the point of their faith. And faith takes on a life of its own." Yeah. So he he made it sound very much more profound in his of course, British accent. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so uh, so yeah. So with the Protestant Reformation. They had to ask the question, if the Pope is not our authority, if the Roman Church is not our authority anymore, then what is our authority? Mm-hmm. And it became the Bible itself uh, that they decided, the 66 books that they okay. currently decided were uh, their we're, books. Were allowed in. Well, yeah, they were the, the canonized <laughs> scriptures. Right. And, they, and they've tried to backtrack it and say that the scriptures were canonized by the second century. And that, that's pretty flimsy <laughs> very flimsy uh and so um you know and, and they don't want to admit that every religion starts as a spiritual movement and then once they canonize their books as mm-hmm. sacred books they become a religion and, right, right, right. and then they become more stultifying and you know no matter how popular they are mm-hmm. so anyway uh and so in the in the biblical tradition they hate that phrase so I say that just to piss them <laughs> off. Um, 
there isn't talk about Mary being the forever mother of Jesus and that there, she's not revered in that sense. Of course, they also tend to conveniently ignore uh, her cry for justice in the Magnificat. Right, 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 right. <laughs> for the refugee. For, and the and fact the that she was a refugee uh, when, when she gave birth to him in the story. They had to go to Egypt. Yeah, that's, that's a very significant point. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's why the Protestants kind of, you know, became, uh, you know, Luther, Martin Luther of uh, the anti-Semite, Martin Luther uh, of German renown. Uh, <laughs> he, he would have several phrases in Latin, scripture only, mm. Jesus only, these kinds of things. And so, so, so uh, Mary began, began to be diminished. Although Martin Luther kept the same Mariology, I believe, but it just throughout as the age of reason and it just kind of uh, fell away. And then, you know, and you get to the Baptist tradition, which is the Southern Baptists are the most influential culturally in America. So it gets completely rejected then. Mm. It's, it's the, it's the immigrants religion. You know, those Catholics and and this country has always been an anti-Catholic country. Mm. Uh, If you look up just in recent uh, modern history, when John F. Kennedy became president, the anti-Catholic sentiment against him was astounding. Well, it got his brains blown out. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> probably not. Probably. <laughs> it was a. It was a. Uh, what's his name? It was a Southern Baptist. Um. And and so this i this idea of because because Mary has been minimized and so and you know in, in ways over over history um why do you think so i'm not exactly sure how to because like we've established you know in in catholicism mary is still an important figure right and so yeah and there's a lot of i don't want to take away from from the Orthodox church or the Catholic church. And so, you know, this, this question may seem, seem like I'm minimizing them, but that's not the case. Yeah. More is how, how do we revive this idea of, um, honoring Mary in, in, or actually let me ask it this way. How do you in your own personal journey and your own spiritual growth honor Mary, um, in the, you know, to and to honor the divine feminine, right? It's one right. and the same on a certain level. Um, we're just using Mary in this in this conversation for ease of conversation. But yeah. you know, how 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 do you maintain that that honorary status of the um, divine fem- feminine for your your spiritual growth? Yeah, it was probably maybe twenty years ago or so. It was twenty years ago today. <laughs> Today, today that we're (laughs) recording this or today that we're posting this when that, when that, when I read about that concept, the divine feminine, and it was a very threatening concept to me. It was very, Mm. I was actually afraid of it. Where did you first read it or hear about it? I was probably reading some theology, Mm. uh, argue, uh, articles kind of thing Mm, about feminist theology, probably, uh, and, 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 you know, and it came in tandem with unpacking my own um, uh, white male privilege uh, that, you know, most white males are 
in denial of. Mm-hmm. And this is and this is a big thing right now, right? You, you got, you know, the insecurities, uh, fragile white male fragility, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so, so you know, taking a hard look at that, you know, and uh, and so, so yeah, so then just exploring that as just a concept, and then it and then it just began uh, to be an experience. God as mother. Uh, and then I realized it had always been there. Of course. In, in a lot of ways. And, and you know, uh, again, I just, you know, I just mentioned the Beatles. The, the song Let It Be is one of the hymns of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone could say, well, secular culture poisoned him. Well, you know, what can I say? Uh, poisoned who? Me, you know. <laughs> because Let It Be would be one of the hymns of my life that I <laughs> well, sing the, to God. Well, once again... The U.S. government killed John Lennon. So yeah, that's our second well, uh, assassination. They, did. Well, they on this. did, but anyway, <laughs> uh, Hinckley was a patsy. Uh, well, Hinckley was also Southern Hinkley. Baptist. <laughs> I got the wrong, oh, yeah, the wrong yeah. shooter. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're screwing up our shoot. That's why this isn't a a, a uh, what's it called conspiracy podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even know. We can't our get our stuff. Right. I can't get my names and authors right or anything. George Bush flew a plane into John F. Kennedy. Some, wait, wait yeah. a damn second. Something like that. <laughs> that doesn't work. Anyways, uh, yeah. So yeah. So in my hour of darkness, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. You know, let it be which is the, the very themes of Advent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so that song has been with me since I was 11, 12 years old. has been an important song. Uh, other, other song, uh, recent years, uh, I think it was my daughter who introduced me to this song. I don't know where she found it. Uh, it was Eric Clapton, who's kind of gotten kind of nutty in these last couple of years. And uh, Pavarotti, uh, the opera singer really? did a song called Holy Mother. Oh, damn. And it's a profound song. My grandpa uh, loved Pavarotti, dude. We, oh, used well. to, we used to fucking clown him for it. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of odd, huh? It was weird. You go to his house in the middle of Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Pavarotti is and, he's, and he grew up in Alabama, so it's not like he was like in the Northeast with like around fine. <laughs> 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 but yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, you should definitely look that look up the live the live performance mm-hmm. though. The the studio recording with just Clapton is not that great. But the the live performance I of bet. the two yeah, when bet. he busts in with Holy Mother, hear my cry. It's a very profound, yeah. powerful song. Uh and then the one I sent to you, the, yeah. the Blind Boys of Alabama have one. I re- when I'm walking uh alone i reach out to mother mary uh and so these songs are important to me and uh you know and and and, you know and again uh, i can't deny that there's a cultural thing there uh i'm not a nostalgic person but um i think there's roots anyway you know i grew up with the image of guadalupe around me Mm -hmm. you know in every neighborhood See it somewhere on a wall, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, or a restaurant, or restaurants. Yeah, you know, every out, church outside the Mercado. Well, every Catholic church. Yeah. Right. Although I, I read that, uh, I think it was on the Wikipedia article <laughs> <laughs> yes. that that uh, it's because you know again because of uh, Mexican influence mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, Methodist churches and Episcopalian churches oh, have embraced a lot of that. So yeah. anyway. No, so, I, so that that's what it became for me, and and just dealing with yeah, God as as 
as feminine. And then in Judaism as well, these, these kinds of, uh, you know, there's a legend, I don't know how true it is that, uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, I could have this. I could be butchering this whole story. Fine. Ro- roll with it. <laughs> we'll be our first. We just said. I just said George Bush flew a plane into JFK. Right. It can't be any more messed up than that. So Leonard Nimoy uh, was at a synagogue at the, in the High Holy Days as a child, and they were. And I guess a part of the the uh, uh, the liturgy was to to close your eyes, and the rabbi would did a hand signal to invoke the divine presence the divine feminine uh, of, of uh, the unspeakable, you know? Mm. Uh, and it was that sign that he did on Star Trek, the, the what is it? The Vulcan mm. uh, sign. And so, yeah. So, so in Judaism, you have a lot of verses, uh, particularly in the, in, in the prophecy of Isaiah, the prophetic books of Isaiah of uh, God as mother mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, Yeah. Well, and just to back up a little bit, what you had mentioned about the the Methodist and the the Presbyterian churches embracing it, I, I guess that's one thing I would want to clarify is, is we're talking about churches that embrace it and don't embrace it. And so if we're missing anyone or, you know, we're making pretty general statements here. So, you know, we for the churches that do embrace it that we're not mentioning, that's not, you know, we're not leaving them out on purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and um you know, we're, we're just trying to talk about these things in a, in a, once again, in our, in our experience, but yeah. And what I'm saying here is very controversial to charismatics and Pentecostals and evangelicals, mm-hmm. Baptists, uh, those kind of, they, you know, it's just heretical to them. It's mm-hmm. idolatrous. And again, I would say tend your own backyard, my friend. Uh, I would rather stand with an indigenous female image of God than GI Jesus. <laughs> and that's, you know, and and, and, the dif- about- and the difference is, I know it's an image that it's not the presence. <laughs> the actual God. Yeah. So that's the difference between us. Anyway, sorry, I'm but getting what, riled up. But, but what about Buddy story. Jesus from the Kevin Smith movie? <laughs> yeah. But another personal story I just remembered uh, when I was having kind of a personal Catholic revival in my mid 30s. Uh, I was an English teacher at the time in another world, in another place. And. Um, and I think a student, uh, my memories again is not that great, but I think it was a couple of students had given me a, a, a an Irish rosary, which was pretty crazy that they would do that. For What's me. the difference between an Irish rosary and a regular rosary? An Irish rosary is shorter because uh, we're uh, tall people. No, uh, <laughs> because I'm short. Because they're uh, just little guys. <laughs> No, it was it was a, a, a shortened rosary that that they would uh, sew into the sleeves. Oh, because they weren't supposed to have. Yeah, because they yeah, were illegal yeah. to the British. Yeah, it was Protestant government. They had contraband. Yeah, yeah so yeah. they would pray the rosary as an act of defiance, but hide it in their sleeve. Mm-hmm. But the metal part had, uh, you know, Saint Patrick, which is obvious uh, why that would be there. But the back had Saint Bridget. And on this medal, she had she was holding a, a bishop's crook. Interesting. As a bishop, and so I was like, "What the heck is going?" So I started looking into that. So this was the early two thousands, maybe late nineties. Um, uh, I think the Macarena had already, the Macarena had already come and gone, <laughs> uh, but In Sync was pretty big, somewhere around that time. <laughs> and and you know, found out that she had been a a bishop. 
ordained in the, the, the Irish Catholic Church. Well, she had her own monastery too, right? Had her own monastery yeah, yeah, yeah. and that had men in it. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, that in the 5th century, they I believe it was the 5th century. Again, don't trust any dates. Look everything up, I say. Uh, well, don't I trust say. anything we say. Yeah, Double look check. it anything up. Anything we check say, it. <laughs> definitely fact check that shit. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, the, the, uh, the Roman church, uh, you know, in the Vatican, uh, had to, uh, discipline the Irish church for letting women say mass during that times, uh, to forsake their sinful ways. And so, uh, so that was very intriguing to me in the two thousands. And I became very interested in the idea of Bridget, St. Bridget, uh, and then I guess when we came out here, maybe a couple of years into it, I began to take yucca prongs. It was part of my spirituality mm-hmm. to take yucca prongs and weave them on February 1st, her feast day, mm-hmm. uh, in Bullock, I believe, in the Irish pagan, neo-pagan calendar. Uh, again, she's a threshold person uh, between the pre-Christian and the Christian, the rational and the pre-rational, mm-hmm. uh, the earth and the human uh, divine and human, all that, right? Uh, and began, you know, weaving the, her crosses and giving them as gifts and uh, and becoming, you know, and you burn the old one from the last year. And, and this is, you know, this is very personal for me. Uh, mm-hmm. My family, their last known place in that world was uh, they had gotten kicked out of Ireland for something. <laughs> And we're living in the outer Hebrides mm. of Scotland. Well, Hebrides means the islands of, of Bridget. That's what that Interesting. means. Isle, Isle of Bridget. That's amazing. Uh, on on an island called Priest Island. Mm-hmm. And they were illicit whiskey makers and were cleared out. They were the riffraff that was cleared out by the Scottish <laughs> shoot, government. Shoot for away. For sheep herding. Yeah, so they kicked out all the whiskey makers. And so Take they said, hike. well, fuck it. We'll come to America. And so that's like, kind they, of... They like whiskey in America. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's why my great, 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 great uncle is Jack Daniels. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, So last week was my birthday. Last last week from when we're recording this. Gee, I got you a gift. Here you are reminding me again. What? (laughs) (laughs) And you gave me a across oh yeah yeah that's right <laughs> of, of bridget from you bought it well you didn't buy in ireland use the internet to have it shipped yeah, here from I ireland. Go to ireland to get it <laughs> i guess i'm not that good you of a friend you didn't <laughs> well i feel like if you had gone there it would have been for selfish reasons not, <laughs> you're like here's here's no, uh, hell no, it's too cold there a souvenir <laughs> but so the next night i went to see this movie called the and i'm gonna mess it up but the banshees of inner shrine with Colin Farrell and in a Sharon, I think. Yeah, they're yeah. Sharon. Yeah. And in his house, which they, oh, they shoot yeah. the scene multiple times, it, it the director obviously did it on purpose because it's 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 not front and center, but it's every scene that they're shot in this house, it's it's clear in the background that you can see the Ooh. the the cross of Bridget and um yeah, just I mean, it just it was it was very interesting to have a gift given to me the day before, That's interesting, yeah. and then seeing it in this movie, multi, you know, over yeah. and over and over again, and um, and you know, and and knowing the the history, you know, because you and I have talked about, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but you weaving them out of the yucca branches yeah. in February, and 
Um, and how, you know, how connected you feel you are to that, um, that tradition. And, and, um, I don't remember where I was going with all of this, but, um, I guess just for me, the, the reminder of that, uh, divine, uh, feminine is, is, is part of the spiritual path. There's, there's really no way, um, in my opinion, to avoid it. Um, like we've said some, you know, some religions, but then again, you know, religion isn't always, we, and we just had a, a great podcast about this that was released about, um, translation versus transformation right right and religion doesn't always have that part of transformation right no and so i think i think for me um acknowledging and embracing this idea of the um divine feminine and how much it's uh whether it's shifted my perspective or just given me deeper insight i don't know exactly how to articulate it but the um um the Hail Mary I've really embraced over the last, I don't know, two, three, four years embraced in the sense of like revisiting it. Right. Cause like growing up in, in Catholic church, you learn it. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until, um, you know, my mid thirties where it's really like listening to those words, you know, meditating on those words, um, pray for us now and at the hour of our death, like that's, that embraces your entire life because now we're always in the now, right? right? We're always in the now. So if we pray for us now, that means pray for us always in this moment and at death. Yeah. Cause that's, that's right. Like that's that last breath when that disappears and we, you know, we transition to whatever the next thing is, whatever, you know, whatever that is. And to be asking to be praying, you know, be, Praying to our mother, but also like just like uh, honoring the divine mother in that way of like, I need your prayers. Yeah. Even if I don't think I need your prayers, <laughs> I need your prayers. Yeah. Right. And, and how significant that's been for me personally. And just knowing um, knowing but and acknowledging and embracing that that divine love that come comes from um whatever you know whatever that that source is you know the mystery of of the source i don't know where where it comes from but i know i know i need it and i know my life is better when i embrace it yeah and it's just like what you said uh i believe it's the only statement that they claim was said to juan diego right Am I, am I, haven't I always been here, Mm. your mother, uh, right here, your mother, you know, Mm. haven't I always been present? So it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. So it's a, it's a powerful thing. And, you know, not to get all Richard Rohr and Carl Jung on you, but I would say for me personally, and again, this is just my experience and maybe not even my experience, but my perception of my experience yeah, yeah, yeah. and my perception of my perception of my right. experience. So, you know, which might melt away in 10 years, yeah, but so I, as of today, November, is, 2022. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say the first half of my life was, was definitely, uh, if you will, a more, uh, male oriented man oriented, uh, spirituality, if you will, masculine, masculine, yeah. If, uh, yeah. A masculine spirituality, which would be more, uh, 
uh, individualistic. It'd be more uh, involved with certitude, mm-hmm. uh, rigidity, if you will. And the second half of my life has been more influenced by the divine feminine for sure, mm-hmm. which is more relational, right. seeing the world, uh, translating the world relationally rather than individualistically. Uh, it's more supple. It's more resilient. It's more uh, uh, tender and emp- uh, emp- uh, empathetic mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. You know, and you see that even in older traditions like mm-hmm. Taoism uh, says to, you know, be... They, uh, in Taoism, they they mark the feminine as being the dark, the dark side of the moon. Mm-hmm. The womb, because the womb is dark, mm-hmm. but the life is being encased and being, it's coming forward. You know, and that's and it says to you know, the the, the tender branch is the is the flexible branch, and the uh, the hardened wooden branch is the one that gets cracked in the storm and fallen, and so. So there's always been that kind of a tradition anyway. I, no, I, I think that, I mean, I, I do think that's an important um, aspect because, because I think both are also important. You know, the divine, the masculinity of the divine, the, you know, the divine feminine. Yeah. It, you know, it's like the yin and yang. You, right, you need both right, in exactly. order to, uh, what would it be? For your spirituality to to evolve in a mature way, I think so. You know, we've talked about. Um, I, don't, I wish I could remember what episode, but uh, you know, you it was we were focusing on you know some of the religions that have these certitudes, and it's like this is it and nothing right, like yeah, this is yeah. it right, and it it's this very black and white, and um, you know, and and the rigidity of it and it's like well that's not how the world works you know what i mean that's that's not how things evolve and and mature and and so it's it's interesting sort of giving your perspective today about you know the you know the first half of your spirituality and then the second half of your spirituality being able to embrace both of those things and and how it served you at the time yeah those different times of your life um and it's all over the place because it's imaginative, right? Mm-hmm. So like the, the Bridget story is a crazy story, right? At right. One, at one point they have her in the legends. Uh, you know, she was transported from 5th century Ireland to, I guess, back in time. Oh, nice. To Palestine in the 1st oh, century. Yeah, that. she's the barmaid <laughs> at the inn. And, and the owner tells her, don't let anybody in. Don't help them. And she ends up uh, oh, I see. midwifing Jesus, Jesus that's and amazing. suckling that, that's him as great. well, nursing him. And so, and then other times she's called Mary of, of the Gauls, Mary uh-huh. of the Irish. Yeah, yeah, so she Mary is Mary. Yeah. And then other times she's the Druidist from the pre-Christian past. And then, uh, or, and then, or the goddess of rivers and streams and poetry herself. Uh, and then just, and then others know she was a real person, this saint, what well, have, uh, have you ever seen so. the documentary Back to the Future? I have. I she have. actually invented <laughs> that the, contraption. The DeLorean. The DeLorean. Not to be confused with the Dorian. Well, the flux capacitor does look like the St. Bridget's Cross. <laughs> there, there you go. Ancient aliens. <laughs> We've proven <laughs> we it. We just did ancient aliens. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's all, all of these icons, all of these... Uh, 
women that that uh, have shaped your spirituality, my spirituality, and and uh, anyone listening, I um, if you're not familiar with these stories, um, there's there's many different ways to sort of access them and meditate on them, and and just um, you know you you might feel some resistance toward, but um, do it anyways, you know, just experiment it with, experiment with it anyways and, and see, um, and may, you know, and, and I'm sure there's some people listening where the divine feminine feminine is part of their spiritual life, you know, and, and, um, and they've already embraced that and, and have, have made that part of their, their greater, um, prayers and meditations and, and just, um, no, you know, I guess, no, you're not alone in, in those things that there are other people that are embracing these things, wrestling with these things and, and trying to figure out what, what it means on a day-to-day basis, um, with their spirituality. So, um, I guess before we wrap up, is there anything else, uh, you wanted to, to say or put out into the world? And I could, this is my favorite, uh, St. Bridget yeah. prayer, if you will. Okay, and I yeah. Let's meditate with that. on it every February 1st in Let's my life. Uh, this is attributed to her, you know, mm-hmm. but this is a long time ago. Um, but she she allegedly wrote, I should, I should like a great lake of ale for the king of kings. So how could you not already like her, right? <laughs> uh, I would like the angels of heaven to be drinking it through time eternal. I should like cheerfulness to be in their drinking. I should like Jesus to be there among them. I should like the three Marys of illustrious renown to be with us. I should like the people of heaven, the poor, to be gathered around us from all parts. And so that's her vision of the kingdom of God. And it's a vision I can uh, I could get behind. That's beautiful. So, yeah. That's a good one. What's that on the drum? I found a leaf. Ah, it's a beautiful one. It's a maroon fall leaf. Um, thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in for another episode of uh, Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Um, I do want to thank uh, thecatholiccompany.com. That's where I got the, the cliff notes for the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe. It was written by Gretchen Filtz, F-I-L-Z. Uh, thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background right now. Uh, thank you to Danny West for doing all the editing and sound engineering for these episodes. And uh, we mentioned David's book during the podcast. Uh, dreamwalkerway.com is the place to go for that. You can order your copy there. Desolate Beauty. The Book of Light and Shadow. Book of Light and Shadow. Booyah. Male and female. Male and female, (laughs) baby. And uh, yeah, just thank you for everyone's support. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.